The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this. I hate the work of those who fall away. My mouth I'll make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of Are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com. And also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch, want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com. You'll see two videos at the top of the screen. Now, I say that I'm live, and that's so I don't mess up my little routine, because when I do that, then I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. So we're not live. <laughs> we're live now, but we're not live currently as this will go out. But... If you want to watch the, vi the video portion of this, head over there to sonsoflibertymedia.com. You'll see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left will be Bradley's show from the previous day. You can watch that up until 3 p.m. And at that time, he goes live in that area. On the right side, 
um, you're you who are watching, you're seeing the show from Tuesday. Uh, but that will be just be a black Sons of Liberty right there. Just click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you got. Click on the rumble icon in the bottom right hand corner and join us in the chat. We're also streaming live on rumble at uh, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're also on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. And we're also on dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. And right up under that is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Be sure to sign up for that and uh, get our emails one a night. If you want our ministry email, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com. Uh, it's right there on the front page. You can sign up for that. You get those once a week. They usually go out on Saturday. Sometimes it might be Sunday, but usually it's Saturday. And uh, you'll find out what's going on in the ministry for that week, uh, whatever Bradley's article is for that week, and also uh, what we are highlighting as far as a product of the week from our store. And speaking of our store, you can get to that from sonsoflibertymedia.com. All you got to do is click on the store there at the top of the page. This week, we're highlighting uh, Bradley's wife's testimony, Stephanie Joy, uh, One Heart. That's the name of the book. And it's normally a donation of $7, but this week only you can get it for 50% off through Saturday night at midnight. When you use the promo code One Heart, that's the number one heart. One heart, all one word, and uh, you'll get 50% off. So if you've got a young lady maybe you want to share um, Stephanie's testimony with, then this is the perfect deal to do it with, and you can get it for 50% off. Also, if you would like to help us, uh, there's a donate button at the top of sonscelebritymedia.com. You can give a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. A lot of you guys, you know, um, we appreciate you who support us, whether it's one time, whether it's praying for us, whether it's just coming in and listening or watching on the video platforms, or some of you are, are sons and daughters of liberty, you, your monthly contributors to help us stay out there on the radio and the internet and out among the people. And then many of you have, you know, taken advantage of the opportunities that you've had where Bradley's come to your city and he's spoken and things. Guys, let me just tell you, Bradley's Bradley's not going to make mention of I'll just tell you, it costs a lot of money to do that. Just think of the travel time that he's put in, especially this past year, uh, just in gas, because he hasn't been flying. I think they flew out to California the other, other uh, week. And even flying is costly for a family of his size uh, to get out there. Then you've got hotels that you have to stay in. Then you've got food that you have to eat. Um, all that stuff kind of builds up, and that's just the basis for it. And so, you know, consider if you listen to Bradley, if you do these things and you appreciate the message, you actually get something from the message. You're fed from that. Then consider really supporting the ministry. Um, you know, the Bible talks about not muzzling an ox. I'm not one to talk about money. I don't I don't really like to talk about it except for where it can it can trap us in debt and such. Um but the fact of the matter is the Bible does speak about it, and it says don't muzzle the ox. And Paul says, is God really concerned with oxes? Well, yeah, he's concerned with oxes. No problem with that. But uh, but he's, he's referencing it towards those men who labor hard in prayer and doctrine. And In fact, the Bible says those who do that are worthy of double honor. And that doesn't mean that you say, oh, I respect you so much. No, no, no. That's where we get the word honorarium. And of course, in that day, more than money, it was, you know, our, their tithe came from the produce of the ground, their flocks that they had. And so that's where a tithe came from, not from this, not from this money system that we're embroiled in now. It came from the produce that God gave. Give a, give a tenth, the first fruits of the flock and the first fruits of the things that come from the ground. And so just keep that in mind, guys, um, that, that, that really does make the ministry go. It's not that we don't have a heart to do things, but sometimes, 
you got a heart to do a lot of stuff. You just don't have the, the means to do it. So we I just want to say we appreciate those who support and uh, encourage those who are in those positions. If you can give and the Lord gives you a cheerful heart and a desire to do so, please help us out. We would appreciate it very much. All right. Today, we got back with us, uh, Scott Shera. And Scott was on a couple of weeks ago to, to share with us. I don't even want to think about it again. I, I just because when I think about it, I get moved. Um, share with us the story of what happened with his daughter, Grace. And uh, many of you were moved by that. You were touched by it. And um, and and Scott is not a guy who's just going to let this thing go quietly into the night like a good daddy should. That's that's exactly what he should be after. He should be seeking to shut it down to keep it from happening to anybody else's kids. And uh, he sent me a message the other day. Hey, could we give an update on this? And so he sent me some information. I said, sure. I, you know, I made that invitation open to him the other week. And so it's my privilege to welcome back to the Sons of Liberty, Scott Sherrod. Good to see you again, man. Well, thanks a lot, Tim. I was wondering as you're going through your introduction, do you have a couple of cups of coffee before you get on? Because boy, you you packed a lot in there. That was that was awesome. No, I just it's kind of <laughs> I, I got this card over here, like this notepad thing on my computer that comes up with it, and I used to have to look at that just so I'd get it out. And now I just want to get all the formalities out of the way so we can get to the other stuff. And uh, so. <laughs> Some people say you need to slow it down. Just so I try to think of that slowly, but it just can't. It just comes out. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no, it was, it was great. I was just smiling to myself. So. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back on. And uh, one of the things that you've got, you've got uh, several thing, items that you sent my way, and you've got uh, some updates. Um, move my microphone a little bit out of the way here. Um, you said that you've got some in updates that you want to pr present to the audience, and that is a DNR order illegally placed by the doctor eight minutes after he maxed out the sedation medic medication. Uh, the latest billboard uh, vinyl in your ongoing billboard. How many, how many billboards do you have up right now? We have 12 up currently. Wow. And that will be going to... Um We'll be having 17 before the end of this month. Now, is that just in your state? Yep, just in our state, just in our area. Okay. All right. And then you got a news release related to disability death research and the connection between the illegal uh, precedents using uh, Grace death certificate. And just real quickly, uh, the image is kind of small here, so I'm going to have to see if I can uh, blow it up a little bit. But this is the latest... Uh, billboard that you guys have up. Uh, seek oh, him yes. now before he returns. His light shine through her. Light overcomes darkness. John one five. And there's little Grace with uh, with her kitten. Yeah. So I mean that ultimately is the the motivation behind what we're doing. You know. So we have a responsibility to to shed light on evil, and you know that's that's the ultimate motivation with what's happening. You know, that's from a spiritual perspective. From a physical perspective, of course, we're wanting the story to get out so people wake up. Uh, yeah, I think that from what I've seen now, a good 60% of our population in the United States is completely asleep. Um, another 20% are woken up the wrong way, and they seem to be motivated in uh, all kinds of ways that, that um, politically, I guess, would be way to say it and I, I don't see that as an answer whatsoever i mean we've got to get right with god this is we're in an urgent time 
And I don't think very many people understand what we're in. This is urgent. And so we're hoping Grace's story pricks people's hearts by shedding light on evil, and then they get right with God before it's too late. Uh, so, Yeah, amen. Amen. You know, but I, I got to tell you, you know, Scott, one of the things is when people get right with God, they want to right the wrongs that's been done. They want to correct that. That's what repentance is. They're going to turn from their own sin, and they're going to look to turn um the, you know those who remain unrepentant they're going to be hardened in their hearts they look to elevate the law of god not only to call people to christ but to to punish the evil doers which is not an unchristian thing either romans 13 tells us the king is there to do such things to praise those who do good to bring punishment to the evil doer and the only way we can know that is the is how god distinguishes it because if we're honest with ourselves, we want to give ourselves a pass over our own sins and uh, and say, you can get everybody else for theirs, uh, but we want to harm ours. But but the word of God, it comes outside of us and it speaks to us and it says, no, 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 this right here, this is where you're at. And uh, and we want to bring justice. I don't want to play politics. I don't think you want to play politics. I'm not pushing for a red or a blue or a purple or a green wave or whatever the case may be. We're looking for upholding the law, Right. And bringing yeah. justice, which guards our liberty, and and by that we show a mercy to those who are being harmed, uh, like your daughter in this case. We're, we're showing a mercy to the people around them uh, by bringing justice to those who commit the crimes. So, what do you got for us? What what is some of this stuff that that you found? So, I want to focus first on the three uh, things that caused Grace's death because I have updates on all three of those. So, okay. you mentioned the the DNR first. So. Um, and if people haven't heard the story, you can go back on the podcast Tim and I did a couple of weeks ago. There's a number of podcasts on Grace's website. So I'm not going to spend any time with the story. I just want to focus on these aspects. So this DNR situation. So when my daughter Jessica was in the room when Grace died, I had been kicked out three days before. So she was the replacement advocate. We had 44 hours without advocacy. Ultimately, she's there at the time of death. She called us at 7.20. Grace died at 7.27. She called at 7.20 telling, saying, she had my wife Cindy and I on a FaceTime call and said, hey, Dad, Grace's numbers are dropping like crazy. I said, get the nurses in. She said, they won't come in. I've been trying. So Cindy and I are screaming through the phone, save our daughter. They holler back, she's DNR. Do not resuscitate. This is the first we knew she's DNR. So Jessica runs in the hall to see what's happening. A nurse has on her computer screen the DNR note from the doctor and reads it to Jessica and says, the doctor put a DNR on Grace and we can't do anything about it. Ultimately, we watched Grace die at 727. So in order for that to take place by state statute, the medical power of attorney, which is my wife, has to request the DNR. Never happened. Then the doctor is supposed to explain all the ins and outs of a DNR. That somewhat happened. And the reason I say somewhat is the morning of Grace's death, he called us at 8 o'clock in the morning, and he wanted to talk about giving them a, a pre-authorization or a pre-approval pre for a ventilator. He had discussed that with us the night before, and we told him no again. They they had pressured us or you know, tried to get us to agree to this four different times. 
And Grace never needed a ventilator. That was a crazy solution. It, it obviously was financially motivated. So in that conversation, then he also said, Grace had such a good day yesterday, we should put a feeding tube in. Then he talks about this, well, you know, what happens if things go bad, blah, blah, blah. Would you guys, you know, would you want Grace revived in this type of a situation? And that's the context that we talked about a DNR with him, okay? So, I mean, it wasn't that it was never discussed. I mean, the, it would be crazy to think about putting a DNR on your daughter who's 19 years old, and he said she just had a good day the day before. We should put a feeding tube in. Ultimately, Tom Renz got involved with our case, and he hired a medical malpractice nurse. And this is the new information that I want to go through. Anyway, she reviewed, I gave her all the records I had, which is a lot. Anyway, she got done with those and said, Scott, you're missing at least a thousand pages. I said, what are you talking about? I said, I asked for everything. She said, that's the way they do it. She said, you'll never get everything. So I said, well, can you help me get more? And so she wrote up a records request, which I submitted, and we got another 948 pages. On the eight, page 853 of that 948 pages, we found where the doctor put the DNR order on Grace. He put it on, so that last day, she was maxed. Yeah, you have it up on the screen. Great. So, I mean, that last day, she was maxed out on a sedation drug called Presidex, which I'm going to cover second, at 10.48 that morning. At 10.56, eight minutes later, he put the DNR order on her. The coincidence of that, I don't think, is a coincidence at all. One of the attorneys who reviewed that particular document said they thought Presidex was going to take Grace out. And so they had to have the DNR order in place to cover their tracks uh, to be able to accomplish their goal, which I believe their goal was to take Grace out. Uh, so that, that's a, this is substantial. And people need to wake up that Grace's case is not the only one. Uh, when, when I first learned that they put a DNR on Grace, we started investigating. I mean, we didn't have all this detail at that time. But I suspected that Grace's was only the first case where they were caught. And I suspected that because. Um, Dr. Artis had an attorney by the name of Claire Willis on his program in January. She's an attorney from the UK, and she laid out how they're doing it in the UK with these drugs like they gave Grace and the DNR orders, which are allowed by the government. So our government doesn't allow DNR orders, DNR orders yet. Uh, and you know that's, that's the uh, huge exposure issue that people need to be aware of. And there's two related things to that. So so people know it's not an anomaly with Grace's case. Uh, one of the men from church, I was talking with him when we were talking about the DNR one morning, and he had COVID and checked into the hospital. They made him, as a condition of checking in, sign a DNR on his own leg. And he said to me, I'm glad my wife wasn't there because she would have been ballistic over that situation. And thank God he made it through. Then three weeks ago, Cindy and I received a phone call from a lady who lost her Down syndrome daughter on the East Coast, and she was bawling. And it, it, she was bawling, for one, because she lost her daughter, but what, what was motivating the call and her, her crying with us on the phone was that she had just gotten the records the day before and found out that on the second day of her daughter being in the hospital, they put an illegal DNI on her. Same situation as Grace. Um, so I think that when the veil is lifted uh, or after we, we walk through this whole thing, I think we're going to find out there's a whole, 
bunch of these things that, that went on. So that's the first update. The second one is relative to Presidex. So I referenced Presidex. Right, first, Tim, do you have any questions about that first one? No, I, when, when you're saying this, all I can think is I don't see how a jury who would hear this case would come to any other conclusion except there's premeditated that this is premeditated murder and there are several people involved in it. It's not just one person, you know, running rogue here. There, there, you, you said two doctors had to sign off on it. Then I'm assuming nurses, it wasn't the doctor who gave it, the nurses or the orderlies or whoever they have come in there and they actually administer it. So you've got several people who are involved in this. Yeah, and I'm going to cover that with the last point, okay. the premeditated part, because I've come to the conclusion in my own mind that I believe it is premeditated, and I'm going to hit that hard in the last point. The Presidex, so there's a package insert for all of these meds. The, past, the package insert for Presidex, well, I'm going to actually cover that second with the package insert. So first, you just the setup for Presidex, what it is, it's an anesthesia drug that is used to knock people out for surgery. That's the purpose of Presidex historically. Uh, during COVID, it's kind of an under the radar drug. I mean, Dr. Artis is wise to this. Of course, we're wise to it because they use it on Grace, but several of the nurses are wise to this that have that have come out and been outspoken. And, and what they're doing is they're using this drug to set people up for a ventilator. So now they're sedated. It makes it so they can do a ventilator. You know, as soon as the family or the, the um, person in the hospital approves the ventilator, you know, inevitably it's in five minutes later so they can collect their money. And, you know, this, the Presidex sets that up. On top of that, the Presidex classifies the room as ICU. So when Grace was put on Presidex, it instantly classified the room as ICU as ICU, which I'm saying the word classify on purpose because she never changed rooms and the care never changed, but the amount the hospital received changed. Then on top of that, once anybody is on Presidex, if you want to be able to take them out of the hospital because you've had enough, you can't. It's called against medical advice. So you have to jump through hoops to get your loved one out of the hospital. So be careful. This is, this is a very common drug being used. Um, people are fairly unaware that it, of what's going on with Presidex. So now in Grace, that's the backdrop to Presidex. In Grace's case, they had her on it since October 9th. She died on the 13th. Four full days she was on Presidex before her last day. That is illegal according to the package insert. The package insert says specifically, oh, thanks, you have that up. Um, that adverse reactions associated with infusions greater than 24 hours, this is the yellow highlighted, in duration include ARDS, which is acute respiratory distress syndrome, respiratory failure, and agitation. Okay, so just process that. That's what it causes. So if you use it more than 24 hours, the anesthesia nurses who use it for surgery tell you don't use it for more than three hours. Now, if you scroll to the bottom of that sheet, I clipped out. Uh, the piece from Grace's death certificate. So on Grace's death certificate, this is unreal. So the immediate cause of death is acute respiratory failure with hypoxemia. So acute respiratory failure, you see it right there. This causes that if it's used more than 24 hours. So they did that. Now the death certificate says it. Hypoxia, hypoxemia is low oxygen. So I mean, this 
Presnex also causes low oxygen saturation. Of course, the second cause of death listed is COVID-19 pneumonia. Why? They can get their bonus money. And this is six stuff. The third one, this is where I, I have come to the conclusion it's premeditated. When we talked last time, we walked through the, the meds that they used on Grace's last day. And I, I just want to I, I drill this down at the level that people can see it and, and how dubious and nefarious this is. So Grace was on max dose Presidex starting at 1048 in the morning on her last day. That knocked her out. She's completely knocked out. This doesn't make any sense. That morning, remember, just two hours and 45 minutes earlier, the doctor said Grace had such a good day. We should do a feeding tube. Well, in between that phone call, they strapped her down to the bed because she wanted to go to the bathroom and made her poop in the bed. Then they put a feeding tube in and used both of those excuses to take the Presidex that she had already been on for four days and ratchet it up to the maximum dose. Just think through this. Now she's completely knocked out. In spite of being knocked out, they give her an anti-anxiety med at 1125 called lorazepam. At 546, another dose of lorazepam. At 549, three minutes later, another dose of lorazepam. And at 615, a two milligram dose of morphine as an IV push. Okay, so now in 29 minutes, she has all these meds in her system. That would have taken you and I out, and anybody listening in your audience, it would have taken them all out. Nobody can survive that. So in order for that to happen, not only did the doctor, step one, doctor has to order that. Step two, pharmacist has to sign off on that order. Step three, the alarm, the med alarm, has to go off because that combination, it says right on the package insert for morphine, which is posted in Grace's website, it says to not combine those meds because it causes death. And it's so bad that they have the other warning says you're supposed to monitor the patient just for morphine, not with those other two. You're supposed to monitor the patient and keep the reversal drug bedside. None of that happened. No nurse or doctor stepped in that room after they gave her morphine. So doctor had to order, pharmacist had to sign off, alarm system had to be overridden. And the fourth piece, a 14-year ICU nurse was in charge of Grace's care that day. She had to be the one, she's the one who injected the drug. She knew better. So that's why I've come to the conclusion that I believe it's premeditated. Well, Scott, <clears throat> the other thing is, and, and we talk, we've talked about this several times with the shots, uh, Kate Chimrani, who's going to be interviewing you because she said, you know, um, she told me, I think it was earlier this week or last week, and I'll let you know, uh, your your friend that you had on the show, his his story is really blowing up over in England. And people are, are hearing, you know, your story and what happened to Grace over in England. That's why she wants to interview. But the thing is that she says is she goes, now they're wanting to give all these shots and everything all together. They haven't been tested together to see that they don't know what they'll do. And now you've got morphine, you've got this Presidex, you've got who knows what else they're giving her. And they're just combining them. I don't think they have a clue as to what those things will do, except something bad if they administer them all together. And then this was something else I wanted to, to make mention of. Uh, this was the um, from, from your daughter's death certificate where you said the hypox hypoxemia and then the COVID-19 pneumonia, and you were talking about the lack of oxygen there, right? 
But you were telling me that when you guys were checking her, she had that little thing on her finger that kept malfunctioning because of sweat or something like that. You were saying all of her oxygen levels were really high. They weren't low. So how is this not a fraudulent thing that's coming from on the death certificate as well? Or or are they saying that because of what they gave her with the the Presidex? Well, that's a great question. So my notes, I don't have this on what I said too, but my personal notes on her death certificate is the hypoxemia is a lie. And it's a lie because, um, number one, we were charting Grace's oxygen ourselves because of their faulty equipment. And, you know, I think it's faulty on purpose to justify lots of crazy things. But um, the other thing is that you, they wouldn't know objectively. So, well, I'm going to step one step back. So we're charting Grace's oxygen at 6.02 p.m., which is uh, 13 minutes before Grace was given the morphine. Grace's oxygen was at 93% even though the, ha- the hospital was reporting Grace's oxygen 49% lower than that. I mean, that's crazy. We had our own meter in the room. So then, you know, for them to report hypoxemia with accuracy, they would have needed to do a blood gas draw. They never got a blood gas draw. The phlebotomist came in the room when Jessica was in the room that last hour with Grace. I mean, she was in there the whole day, but during that last hour, the phlebotomist came in and tried to get a blood gas you couldn't do it because Grace's, we believe it was because Grace's veins are already collapsing after they gave her the morphine. Can so, I, I mean, that's a complete lie. Yeah. Can, let, me, let me ask you something about that. Um, those monitors that, that, were, that were monitoring what was going on with her oxygen level, they really weren't dropping down. They were, just, uh, they were just making an alert that there wasn't a connection or she was off, right? It wasn't dropping like drastically or anything like that, right? Did I, understand well, I, you? I can't technically answer that. I mean, Jessica has the, the notes on, you know, she's, what she's explained to me is that the, um, she doesn't even believe the oxygen meter was hooked up okay. because she, and the reason is, is there's a red light on the meter that wasn't on, wasn't even on the meter. And it, she's, she's got documentation where it was on at other times. And so, you know, it's so, um, I think it's it's such a big lie, although in the scheme of this whole thing, that it's relatively minor because we have so much sure. evidence in this case, it's hard to grasp. But, you know, it just shows what length they go to, um, to to sell their story. Well, I guess I'm asking the question because you had said you had told one of the nurses that uh, she was going to she was really getting on to you because you were shutting the monitor off or the beeping off. And you were saying, well, I'm doing it because the thing would beep. The nurse told me how to do it, that it was just this thing with the you know sweat on her. It needed to be changed or whatever, all these kind of things. And I'm just kind of curious. Did you ever notice on the monitor where it was showing you the numbers of her oxygen level? Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. definitely. I mean, that's how I got clued into it early on because way back on October 9th, uh, I was trying to feed Grace and the nurse came running in and said, you can't do that. I said, well, what's the reason? And she said, well, her, her oxygen saturation is only at 85%. Yeah, I was watching Grace's numbers, but I mean, at the position where you're feeding her, you couldn't see the, the screen. The screen is turned so that the nurses can see it from their station outside the room. So she comes running in and says, you can't do that. I said, well, what's the reason? She's at, she said, she's at 85%. So I processed that. I thought, this is impossible. She's on a bypass. 
she was at 95% on a regular cannula. So I, I had my meter in the room because I thought I was going to get COVID while I was in the room with Grace. So I just wanted to be prepared to measure my own oxygen. So I put my meter on Grace's finger and it read 95%. And this is where we got clued in because I called the nurse back in and said, is my meter accurate? And she said, yes, it is. And so then I said, well, why is my $50 meter reading 95% and your $50,000 meter is only reading 85%? And she said, well, because the leads get sweaty. So then I said, well, if that's known. Why aren't you guys proactively changing out these leads every three or four hours or whatever it takes so that you have an accurate reading, given this is the primary statistic you're using to measure my daughter's care? And she snottily responded, you should just be thankful you caught this. Yes, you can hardly believe that that happened. And after Grace died and I, I got the records from Medicaid and saw what they billed Medicaid, they only changed out those leads three times during the seven days Grace was in the hospital. And the cost billed to Medicaid, the billed cost was only $78. I mean, it's, it's insane that they weren't having accurate reading. Well, I mean, that, that kind of leads to something that, it, that I would think would be in the records there. I mean, even at 85 percent, um, even if that was the case, that doesn't sound too terribly alarming, I wouldn't think. At 85, I mean, I'm thinking, forgive me, I'm, I'm just a high school graduate here, but, you know, 70 is passing. 85 is like, what, a B? So, I, I, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe I'm wrong in that, in that concept, but 85 doesn't sound terrible. It sounds like, well, there might, there's, there's obviously a problem, but it doesn't sound like it's going to kill somebody. Uh, that doesn't sound like something that's there. So I'm kind of wondering in your documentation, I know you've got a lot of papers there, kind of wondering if you go back, if they have any records of what, because they should have records of what those monitors are turning out. That should be being recorded and, and allowed to be printed out so that you can have it and say, okay, what's your monitor say? And then even call this nurse up and say, well, didn't we talk? And didn't you tell me that my little monitor was registering more, you know, better and more accurate than your other monitors? Then, then what's the problem here? What, either somebody's negligent or somebody's premeditated, or maybe there's a little bit of both going on in here. Well, they admitted to faulty equipment two separate times. I mean, that, that wasn't anything they didn't admit when we were in there. It just, why don't you fix it then? I mean, that's, we were led to believe, I mean, your first question is, is really important because it's part of the take-home message, which is, is 85% okay? And it, I'm not a doctor, uh, but I've learned an awful lot through this. And, you know, 85% is not good, but it, in the context of where somebody is at, it really is, is a high priority. It is not the emergency they make it out to be. And that's, that's a piece of the puzzle I didn't know. I mean, I perceived it as an emergency. Uh, they added fuel to that fire I had by um, putting Grace on a high-flow cannula, then a BiPAP, all of which we found out after the fact was not necessary after we did our research. But they, they prey, P-R-E-Y, on your naivety and your, you know, your fear and, you know, they make it seem like it's, it's a huge deal. And, of course, oxygen is a huge deal. Um, last time I checked, we can't live without it. But, the, you know, it, is, it isn't the, the priority that they made it and that I bought into. 
Yeah. Now, now tell me, tell me this. Now, you know, Tom Rents came on the scene, and he's seen a lot of evidence. He's been speaking out against that. I'm a, I think um, Dr. Tenpenny was having him. Uh, she was working with him and, and bringing some things up in Ohio. I think it was him, and there was another guy. And I've been kind of waiting to hear what these guys are going to do, you know, because some of us are going, okay, this is going on quite a bit of, of time. You guys know what's going on. When are we seeing some action in there? And so I'm glad to hear that, you know, he's kind of been uh, an aide to you and what's going on here. What's the next step that you guys have? I mean, I know you have to build a case and you've got some documents here that I think any jury looking at this and and seeing how things played out, because even you were telling us that, you know, she's sitting up and she was making jokes with people you know, in the room and she was just her cheerful self. Except for, I guess, being annoyed that she's in that bed with all the stuff on her. But, you know, there, was, there wasn't this thing that she was, you know, out of it, didn't know what was going on until they, they are all of a sudden pumping her full of this stuff and trying to basically put her sleep. And I'm thinking there was a, if I recall correctly, they didn't want you staying in the room at first. They wanted you to stay away because they said, oh, you might get COVID. And you're saying, no, I'm having none of that. I'm going to stay here. But I'm wondering if that is the M.O. that they're doing with a lot of families. They're intimidating them not to stay so they can get it done quick and over with and easy money. That's what I'm wondering if they're, if they're doing. Well, I think that is spot on. I mean, they killed Grace while we were there. And so the story with Grace is so horrific. But I would, I would expect that if the cameras were on them with all the cases that there wasn't an advocate, I would guess the treatment is 10 times worse because, you know, we're watching them and they're killing her. I mean, what, what do you think happens when you're not? So yeah, I, I agree. Tom runs then back to, back to him. He's been a, a real blessing. Um, you know, they, they're in this to win. And so I, I get why it takes time because they, Everything is stacked against winning a lawsuit like this. Um, the PrEP Act is on their side. Um, their doctor's reports, they lie in the reports, and the reports are accepted as evidence. Um, they, they circle the wagons. And what I mean by that is, I, an example will we'll prove it. I have a... a uh, medical malpractice attorney that I talked with who's the best in Wisconsin. And he had a case that a doctor sewed up a sponge inside the patient and they lost. And I said, well, how could you possibly lose that case? And he said, we had 10 expert witnesses and they brought a hundred. And, you know, that's. You know, how, how is that possible? Did they have to go and remove the sponge? I mean, just, it's sick. Well, I mean, did they did they remove the sponge? If they remove the sponge, wouldn't there be a record that there's another surgery to remove the sponge? It was left in there. What do you need a witness for except that they're documenting I, I, themselves? It's crazy. That's just crazy. So it is. They Tom Renz's group is in this to win. So they're you know we're in one lane of this whole house of cards that they want to take down. We're sure. just in the hospital killing lane. You know, you got the vaccine lane, you yep. have the doctors and nurses who have lost their licenses, you have the um, um, emergency use authorization, you have, I mean, there's, there's so much, um, you know, and they're, they're, um, 
And on top of that, you know, there's money that needs to be raised to be able to do all these things. You know, there's this is multi millions of dollars that's necessary to to file all these these cases. So anyway, we believe our case is weeks away, uh, and you know, it's it'll be the first national case to bring this to light, and uh, it, that's why it's a big deal. Um, well, we're we're praying for you, brother, because we we want to see we want to see justice done in the matter. We really do. We can't we can't bring grace back. Nor would I, I think in certain cases we you probably even understand as a father that she's never going to have to face any of that stuff again. That the Lord has her and she's she is perfect and whole in Him at the moment. So even though you would like to, I I, I get it. I think about my own kids and I. I don't want to experience what you're experiencing. I, I, my heart is really broken for you, brother. But you've also sent out um, a letter in which you're warning people about the her targeting because she had Down syndrome. And yeah. just so people understand, this is Saint Saint Elizabeth's Ascension Hospital. It, this is a this is a Catholic hospital, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah. And yeah. I, I would say in, in marketing only, and I say that with an awful lot of confidence. Well, I think, well, if people have listened to the show when we've talked about Rome, uh, Rome itself is an antichrist system. Our forefathers called it apostate. Uh, their deeds go right along with their words. They hold no true saving gospel. And uh, I, it's not to broad brush everybody that calls himself a Catholic. I'm not trying to do that because I've met Roman Catholics who I was going, why do you keep going to a Roman church? I said, what you're saying and what you're doing is the complete opposite of what they're teaching. <laughs> so uh, I, I've had those encounters too. And then I've had other people who are full on board with Vatican II and pre-Vatican II and all this other stuff and, you know, do, pray the rosary and do all this stuff, uh, which is all that's unbiblical. Um, but I think people need to keep that in mind when we're talking about this, because, you know, we again, we go to the, the passage out of Re, uh, Revelation 18.23, that the nations are deceived by, the, by our sorceries. And uh, part, of the, part of the issue is there is their, their drugs, their, their pharmacia that they're producing. And some of these, some of these things, these sorceries were, were used on grace. They've been used on a whole bunch of other people. And most of us, you know, until we come to light and we actually see that, we think, oh, well, this is this is to benefit. They know what they're doing. They went to school, right? They're they're they don't want to. They're not murderers. I mean, that's at least our mindset when we go in. And then you have that rude awakening when it happens right in your family and and even right in your face at times. I mean, I just I, I can't imagine. I get upset, and I'm not even a part of that of your faint your immediate family. We're brothers in Christ, but I'm not a part of your immediate family. But I get upset hearing about it. You're right on calling out the the um, Roman Catholic denomination. That's that's exactly right. I mean, we we grew up Catholic, so we're intimately familiar with it. Um, that's why I said in marketing only because the general population would perceive um, a Catholic faith system as pro-life, and you know, it's they they have no idea what you you just explained. But what you explained, of course, is spot on. Uh, so what we have discovered, and I, I want to just share the the details, but then take it to a broader perspective. So in some, God has a way of leading you into areas. And you know, this type of thing that I'm going to explain is something you have probably known for at least a decade. But you know, I just was I just was a dad who owned a business and had a great daughter before she died. I didn't know any of this stuff. 
you know, you have kind of, you know, I wasn't a, a trusting person in the government, but I would have never in, in 10,000 years thought that the government was this corrupt. Um, so anyway, there's reports coming out, you know, as people are putting the statistics together, they're not, they're not uh, crossing the line and saying why, which I'm going to cross the line here when we talk about it. But, you know, the statistics are starting to come out. So one of the statistics, and this one really emphasizes uh, what I believe is that uh, disabled females, so this one came out of the UK, but there's similar ones coming out of the United States, disabled females compared to um, non-disabled females are 11 times more likely to die in a hospital if they get COVID. Well, just process that. You know, why is that? I mean, Grace was disabled. There's no reason she should be more likely to die unless that was their goal. And in the United States, the disabled and the elderly, so I'm going to put both in the same pot here for this discussion. The disabled and the elderly account for 39% of our federal budget. So there is a huge financial motivation to take these people out. But that's, that's really uh, small compared to how this has been set up. You know, Satan has a way, and these liberals are masters at implementing his way. They set this up for decades. And so for decades, we have been taught that if you get pregnant, you get an amnio. So that way, if, you, if that shows you have a disabled child, um, you should abort them so they don't make your life miserable, blah, blah, blah. So as it applies to Down syndrome children, 67% of those children are already aborted. In the United States, some countries they've eliminated Down syndrome a hundred percent. Denmark they've eliminated ninety eight percent. So this idea has been going on for four plus decades that these people are useless to our society. Similarly, what's been going on for decades is the elderly are now put in nursing homes. It used to be the you know the kids take care of their parents. I mean that's that's the way I grew up. But now nursing homes are the way to go, right? As soon as the person becomes a pain that takes work, you just throw them in a nursing home and you don't visit them anymore. So that has become acceptable. So now when these people check into the hospital, the young people taking care of them, they've already been indoctrinated. So it's really no surprise. They don't even see it as, as a negative. And so I think this is, is, is so sick. Uh, how this is going on. And, you know, COVID is just a cover. You know, no politician is going to get up on the podium and say, listen, here's the deal. These disabled people and these elderly people are useless eaters. They cost 39% of the budget. We just need to exterminate them so we can get on with life and, and not have this burden anymore. Of course, nobody's going to say that. But that is their feet say it. Their feet say it with 100% certainty with this whole situation. And one of the hosts asked me, well, what do you think is the cause of, you know, why, why, are, why can people even do this? And so I, I just want to review that, and then you can ask some more questions, Tim. But, you know, there's, there's a percentage of the people who are just ruthless people. So it doesn't even phase them. Because you wonder, don't they have a conscience? Um, then there's, there's a, the one I just mentioned is the societal influence. I mean, so society has influenced the people. Um, so that, so then they don't really think anything of it. Um, 
you're probably familiar with the, the Milgram obedience experiment. They have it posted on Grace's website for those who wouldn't be familiar with it. But in that experiment, it showed what happens if people don't have God. Two-thirds of the people took the person who did wrong, which is doing wrong, is they answered questions incorrectly, and they electrocuted them. You know, it was just an experiment, so they didn't really die, but it, they, two-thirds of the people would take out of obedience. So think about these doctors and nurses. They're killing people out of obedience because the hospital says we have to follow this protocol. Well, that's killing out of obedience. And it, the, the last piece I would say is there's such a lack of critical thinking. So just think through, Dr. Peter McCullough has, has pointed this out way better than I can. He said there's no research component. And the research component I'm familiar with is if if I just you know just a practical example if I'm if I'm going to re-roof my house I get the shingles I get the shingle nails and now I'm I'm holding the shingle nail and I start hammering and I hit my thumb so now I do the next nail and I hit my thumb the next nail I hit my thumb how many times am I going to hit my thumb before I hold the nail differently so I don't hit my thumb anymore it isn't going to be very many so in this case there. They kill the first person on remdesivir an event, the second person on remdesivir an event, the third person on the re- I mean, isn't that enough of a pattern to just start researching? As soon as you get done with your shift, you, you got to come to the, you think, this does not make sense. I got to figure out something else versus you just go back the next day and kill more people. Makes no sense. But that's where, you know, they've trained out critical thinking in our society over the last four decades also. So anyway, whew. I'm as wound up as you. I'm as wound up as you as at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. They, as far as remdesivir and stuff like that, they knew that in the trials. They knew it was killing Correct. people. And this is why uh, Pfizer and the FDA didn't want these, how many tens of thousands of pages that they had. They wanted to take 75 years to tell the American public. Now, if you want to do something like that, okay, I'm going to go back and I don't, I care nothing for Lindsey Graham in my state. But there was one thing he said during the Clinton impeachment. He says, if you're out at 2 a.m. in the morning, you're probably out to no good, right? Uh, where we come. Well, the same thing's true. If you don't want stuff coming out in your lifetime, you're probably up to no good. And we're seeing the first batch of stuff that came out, documents came out for, uh, from the FDA about fi- the Pfizer shot, said they knew it was killing people. They knew mothers were losing their babies. They knew the the massive injuries that were that were occurring in the tri- in their little trials that they were doing then they put it out and they promoted it as safe and effective and they've done it as an organized crime syndicate through the mockingbird media that they're paying 30 to 40 40% of their advertising this brought to you by Pfizer right we we know that kind of stuff so it's not just i would say and that's just with the shots i don't know who who makes presidex i don't know who makes uh who produces the more- Pfizer makes all three of these meds. Yeah, so so they know what's going on, and I I believe that the laws, the pretended laws, that's what I call, that's what our forefathers would have called them, pretended legislation that Congress passed to protect these guys for, for their product. Nobody else has that. Nobody has a protection over their product. If you make a product, and that, I mean, and I use the issue of a gun. If you make a gun, and a criminal goes out and commits a crime with it. Well, that guy's responsible for it. If you make a gun and I shoot it and it blows up and it damages me in some way, well, then un- unless I've been at fault for something like, you know, I put an explosive in there or something like that, 
that gun's malfunction, I can sue the manufacturer of it for they made a faulty product. Well, that's why I think all this other stuff of not being able to sue them is it just shows that government has become fascist in this country and in working with fascists in corporations, uh, namely Big Pharma, and they're engaged in the murder of their own people. And they're trying to hide it and say, oh, we care about your safety while they end up murdering the unborn. They, they're just they're hypocritical in what they're doing and they're murderous. Yeah, we met an attorney in this process also that's pursuing a racketeering charge under this whole. You know, this, is, this is a scheme like there's never been uh, in, in history. And you know, it's, if God has, if, if God sees this through to take this all down, it would be wonderful. I don't know what his plan is. I mean, somebody's asked me, what, what's your goal? I mean, I, I wish I could answer that. I mean, I have some goals with this, but I don't know. You know, I, I've got to be submissive to, to God in this. I don't, you know, it seems like he has a plan with this and grace's death is not in vain. I mean, Genesis fifty twenty is is That's right. another another motivation with this, but where is he going to take this? How far is he going to take this whole thing down? Is he coming before it gets taken down? I don't know. What I know is that it's urgent, and you know. So that's that I'm positive of. Um, what where this goes, I don't know. We're just going to keep walking through the doors that he opens. Okay. All right, Scott. We got a, a little over a minute here. You want to give a final word and point people out where they can look at the information that you've you've gathered and read about your daughter and where they can find that. Sure. So, uh, in the on Grace's website, so the website is ouramazinggrace.net. There's a whole bunch of things on there. It's lots of lots of information. But if you go to the website, I really want you to invest some time looking at the pictures and videos of Grace. So that's really cool, um, and it's the most important piece. Then we have uh, a tribute to our son Travis, who committed suicide three years before uh, Grace died. That just got up on the website a couple of weeks weeks ago. Uh, we have the tragedy tab, which documents you know everything you and I talked about is on the tragedy tab, so people can see. Then they don't just have to believe me orally; see it with your own eyes, because the research post is posted because of the believability factor of the story. Um, the uh, there's many other tabs. If you, if you choose to to want to help us, we have a how can you help tab. There's a gifts and go there. Uh, there's a a lot going on financially where you know the you know. We're certainly not uh, um, bashful about spending our own money because what's the money for? I mean, this is an, an opportunity, but if people want to support Amen. us, they can do that. Okay. All right, Scott, we appreciate you very much coming on and uh, giving us an update that. And we're going to stand with you. You know, we'll see it through with you. So the platform is yours to use as you need to do. Bradley will be on at three today. Don't miss that. And we'll be back with you in the morning. Eric Hughes-Jones, we're going to talk corporations. You're going to want to hear this. See ya.